Good morning. Uh, so, yes, uh, <clears throat> we started just a brief introduction. Well, I'm going to pray first, okay? So, Lord, thank you for the privilege it is to be here. And, you know, I need your help uh, because it's hard to preach twice in a row like this. So give me your, your anointing, Lord. Help me to do this. Bless all these beautiful people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, God, first, uh, I, I'm from the U.S., from, from Minneapolis. Uh, but then God called me to Amsterdam, Holland. That's where I met my wife, Jody, and our two sons were born just on the edge of the red light district. <clears throat> and we'd had, we had to teach our kids not to pick up all the needles on the street because of all the junkies living in our neighborhood. And uh, you could see a church uh, from our apartment, and it was often closed on Sunday morning, and it was surrounded by houses of prostitution. So a lot of the young people in Amsterdam have this idea that Jesus is just a dead tradition, you know, from the past that has no relevance to their life. And so God started to break our heart for these young people. So we would go out into the forest at night and we have these all night prayer meetings and we would, and often in Holland it's raining. So we'd be out in the cold and the rain and we'd be praying all night, Jesus help us. How are we going to reach these young people? And then during this time we started a church on an old boat uh, behind central train station and the address was Steiger 14, which means Pier 14 in Dutch. And that's where the name of our, our mission started. And then I, I started a band as a way of going into their clubs and telling them about Jesus. And now it's turned into a worldwide mission. And our whole, our whole uh, the, the passion that we have that God has put on our heart is to reach what we call the global youth culture, which is because of globalization today. If you go to Auckland, if you go to Berlin, if you go to Beirut, uh, people are watching the same movies, playing the same video games, listening to the same music, and being destroyed by the same lies. And so we have a broken heart for these, for these millennials, and, and God is giving us opportunities to reach thousands of them all over the world. And so if you want to know more about that, there's a table back there. It's a Steiger. You can find out more. I have a copy of my book, Rock Priest, so I can give you a new one. <laughs> Um, if you would like, you can, if you, you can, if you don't have any money, you can just take a book, okay? So, so they're not for sale in that way. If you want a book and you don't have any money, take it. But if you, if you have money and you don't leave any and you take a book, I hope you're eaten by worms. <laughs> and this is a, a book, Revolutionary, 10 Principles That Will Empower Christian Artists That Change the World, but it's not just for, for artists, but it's written specifically for artists, but I think it's good for anyone. Uh, it's things like the reason that we don't see God's power in our art is because we practice too much. What if a guitarist said, for every hour I spend practicing my guitar, I'll spend another hour seeking God? What would happen then? Yeah. It's that kind of stuff. And I think it would be very encouraging for you to, to get this book. And then we have, a, we have a, a two schools in Europe, in Germany, 10-week schools. They're a real encounter with God. Times we had at our last school people from 22 countries. We have a, a, a work here in Toronga that you can talk to the to the girls back here about. You want to stand up and wave. These are they can tell you about our work here with backpackers in Toronga. They're amazing, radical women of God, and uh, we have a podcast. Too much to tell, but I want to tell you about what just happened to me four months ago. So four months ago, I was on tour with my band, No Longer Music, and uh, we were getting ready to, we were setting up in a Muslim town, 
And uh, so we drive into this, this, this town. There's no church there, Muslim town. We start unloading our equipment. And this was a crazy thing to do because in Turkey there's a state of emergency. And there's a state of emergency because of all the terrorist activity that's been happening there. And the government has outlawed any kind of outdoor activities. And we've been planning this tour for a year, and I thought, we have to go, even though we don't have permission. So without permission, we go into a main square and start unloading our, our equipment. The, and we're doing it right next to a police station. And so then the police, they come up to us and they go, what are you doing? Well, we're an international band, and we're going to do a concert here. And they said, you are? And I said, yes. And they said, can we take your, a picture with you? So I got my arm around the police, and he's taking his picture with us, and uh, we do this concert. And I'll show, did you have, get those videos? I'll show it at the end here if anyone's still here after I'm speaking. But uh, um, so in our concert, it's not just music, but we show a very clear depiction, modern-day depiction of how Jesus died on stage with special effects and how he rose from the dead. So we're doing that in our concert, and which you're not supposed to do in a Muslim town in Turkey. And then I started to preach. I wasn't being sensitive to the culture. I was preaching. And I was saying to them, Jesus is not just a prophet. He's not just a teacher. He's the only one who defeated death. He's the only one that can take away the chains in our life. He's the only, only one that can set us free. I was in Turkey saying this. And... Then I said, if you want to know Jesus, raise your hand. Again, I was not being sensitive to the Turkish culture at all. And I said, if you want to know Jesus, raise your hand. Pretty much everyone raised their hand, including one of the policemen. And he said, can I have these five DVDs and how you can know Jesus that I can give to my fellow policemen? All right, so we're praying with all these people. Then an undercover policeman came. And this is the government police. And so he's shouting, you don't have permission. You can't be doing this. And he's wanting, he's screaming at us, you have to get out of here. So we're quickly loading our gear. And then another man jumped in front of the audience. And he said, this is a Muslim country. You can't talk about Jesus here. So we quickly got our stuff, you know, packed away. We're getting in our van and I get a call. And uh, someone says, the police are looking for you. You need, to, you need to get out of here. So we're driving in all these back alleys to avoid, so the police won't find us, you know, and, and then we finally got on the motorway and drove back to Istanbul. Yes. <laughs> this is how you should live your life. This is how you should live your life. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. In Luke 9, 58, he says, he doesn't even have a place to lay his head. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And he said he, doesn't, he didn't even have a place to lay his head. He didn't even have a, a house, okay? And then Jesus tells us that when we give our lives to him, we are no longer from this world. And that we are foreigners. That we are not citizens. That we are only visiting this planet. In John 15, 19, Jesus said, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of this world. I have chosen you to come out of the world. Every follower of Jesus is called to come out of the world. 
Why? Because we are part of something eternal, something so huge, something so, so incredible that nothing that this world has to offer us is even worth considering. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not steal, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then further down in that passage, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, if I'm a citizen, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if I'm a citizen, then I should live for the things that this world has to offer me. It makes sense to live for earthly stuff, for materialism. But it's really stupid because you can try to build your life around all the things that the earth has to give you, and it's not fulfilling. It's not. I mean, one of the things that I love to do with my wife, Jody is I love to go out to a, you know, a nice restaurant. You know, New Zealand has lots of nice restaurants. And go out, I love, or a cafe. There's nothing I enjoy more than going out to a nice cafe with my wife or my kids, whatever. But you know why I enjoy going out for a nice meal? It's because I don't live for it. You know, if you live for a meal, you know, restaurants and whatever, it gets pretty boring after a while. It's true. Or, like, I can, I, can, I, I can enjoy going on a holiday, but if I'm living for holidays, it gets pretty old because one beach looks like another beach. So then what I do is I sacrifice so I can build that perfect house. You know what I mean? I sacrifice my kids, my children, everything, so I can buy this big, perfect house because then I will be happy. So you build this big perfect house with the perfect view and then it gets boring and then you have to go on another holiday. (laughs) And that's because it all looks and it tastes the same after a while. And it's meaning, it's not meaningful. And I I can promise you this, when you're lying on your deathbed, you're not going to go, wow, wasn't it great all those holidays I was on? You know, remember, you're on your deathbed. Remember when I had that drink with that umbrella in it? You're not going to be thinking about that. Because, I mean, there's a reason why the world has to numb itself on on sex, drugs, party pills, and alcohol. Because it's not fulfilling. And nothing in this world can satisfy me. It just creates more emptiness and loneliness. But you see, when I'm a follower of Jesus, it's completely different. As a follower of Jesus, I'm immortal. Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that whoever believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. Now, I have to be honest with you. I wasn't that, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to die. But I wasn't that excited about eternal life. And I think the reason is because the way it was explained to me in the church you know, I'd be in a church meeting, right? And uh, there'd be some worship, and sometimes the worship was good, sometimes it was lame, and you know what I mean. And you'd be sitting there, and then the, the, pa- then the, and the pastor would get up, and he'd go, you better get used to this, because this is what eternity is going to be like. 
And, I, and I'd be sitting there and I'd be thinking, do you mean eternity is an endless church service? It sounds more like hell. As broken as the world is, you know, and I, you know what I'm saying is true. As broken as this world is, there is still beauty today that takes your breath away. I mean, I can remember I, I went with my sons, my wife and my, and my sons and their wives, and we went to Las Vegas to the NGM Grand, and we watched this Cirque du Soleil production called Ka. And we're at this, so we're watching this Cirque du Soleil production, and, and it was just breathtaking. I mean, I, I was, it was emotional for me. It was so beautiful, so breathtaking, so amazing. And, you know, we, a lot of the work we do is in Europe, and so we go to these ancient old cities in Europe, uh, like Krakow in Poland, and there's all these, these cobblestone streets and cafes and ancient churches, and it's so beautiful. Or, you know, if you're, it doesn't matter how you feel. If you go to the Swiss Alps, you're happy. I mean, it's so beautiful. You know, you go to the, go to the Jungfrau in, in the Alps there, and you just walk around the Alps, and it's, there's so much beauty. And, you know, and there's like the natural beauty that you have here in New Zealand. I mean, sometimes I'm with my wife here, and it's like I can't take it in. It's so beautiful. It's, 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 it's so spectacular and so beautiful. And then there's, there's emotional beauty. You know, it's the, it's, the pain, it's the painful love that I have for my wife, Jody. You know, my love for her is so, so strong and so intense that it hurts for my kids. I can hardly take it sometimes. I love them so much. You know, and they're, now they're wives and now my grandkids. It's like this emotional, this emotional beauty. And then there's the, the love that you have for, for the people around the world now that, I, that are in my, our mission family. And, and, and then if you're able to get a revelation of God's love, yeah. you know, you can say God loves me. And, but, you know, when you get those moments where you get a revelation of it, I can hardly take it. Really, I can't. And all of this emotional beauty, all of this physical beauty that still exists is only a shadow of what's to come. It's a speck. It's a shadow. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in the mirror but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. All the beauty that still exists is a shadow for what is ahead for me. And then, if that wasn't enough, God is going to give me a good body. Why are you laughing? <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands. Think about that. Think about that. God himself. If you're a follower of Jesus... God himself is preparing a body for you not made with human hands. The one who created all this un un unbelievable beauty that exists in your country. God himself is preparing a body for you. 
And if that wasn't enough, Jesus is preparing a house for you. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? What kind of house do you think Jesus is preparing for you when you look at the beauty of the mountains in New Zealand? You look at the majesty of the, of the earth that he's, that's not polluted and destroyed yet. What kind of house do you think he's, he's building for you? You see, my home is not a place where there is senseless violence, where there's disease, where there's cancer, where there's broken hearts, where there's loneliness, suffering in war. My home is a place where the greatest life force that exists sent his son Jesus to rescue me. I am not a citizen of this earth. I'm only visiting this planet. So if this is true, then why? Why then do so many followers of Jesus sacrifice their whole lives for things that will be eventually rotten and filled with rats? One of the guys that works with our mission, he's from Switzerland. His name's Lukas. You know, and he's, so he's from, he's this Swiss guy. He lives in this amazing part of Switzerland, and he's praying, God, what should I do with my life? Should I be a youth pastor in Switzerland, or should I move with my young family, my wife and my two babies, to Beirut, Lebanon, to a dangerous neighborhood in Beirut? Should I be a Swiss past, you know, youth pastor in Switzerland? Or should I go to Beirut? And he thought, I'm not, I don't belong to Switzerland. I'm not a citizen. I think I, I, I'm one, I'm a foreigner. I think I, I, I want to go to, Lord, let me go to Beirut. So he goes to Beirut and uh, learns Arabic. And he's in this tough area trying to reach these, you know, God has called us to reach the millennials in the Middle East, Middle Eastern youth that are disenfranchised with Islam, hate Islam, actually. So he's, God, how can I reach them? Most of them are atheists. So he's getting up at four in the morning. God, God, how can I reach these people? Crying out to God, hardly getting any sleep. I'm going, Lucas, you need to take it easy. No, I got to see a breakthrough. He's crying out to God, and now he's having a huge voice in the Middle East. He's getting invited to some of the most prestigious universities in, in Beirut to talk about Jesus. Sunni, having debates with the Sunni Muslims. Unbelievable open doors are happening. But I can tell you this. When, I don't know how long Lucas is going to be on this planet, but I can tell you this. When he's lying on his deathbed, he's not going to go, man, I wish I would have been a youth pastor in Switzerland. Don't save yourself. Why are you saving yourself? What I really don't understand is people, when they're young, why they save themselves. Come on. Young men, they should be sleeping in their cars, going to the most difficult places. If you're a follower of Jesus, you shouldn't be trying to find a nice, cruisy, easy life. You should be doing the opposite. Send me to the hard places, God. I'm a, I'm a visitor. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm a foreigner. I don't belong to this. I don't want to invest too much in this. It weighs me down. Send me to the hard places, God. And then, 
If God asks you to have a, a family, you know, a wife and kids, okay, you want to be a good, as a good father, I want to provide for my family. I want them to have a, a secure, nice home to live in, you know, so they, because I want to be a good father. I want to look after my kids. But I want to tell you this. The reason that both of my sons are passionate followers of Jesus today is because they knew our, our home was not, was about mission. And then, okay, so then if, you, if God has you have a family and all that, and your kids get out of the house, this is the part I don't understand at all. Why is it when people get old, they get more conservative? It makes no sense. When you're, when you're old, you should sign up for the most dangerous duty. You should be, the old people should be going to Iraq and Liberia. Your time is almost up anyway. I don't understand these, business, these, these businessmen and women and doctors that retire on the golf course. You know, it's like, you know, what's, what are you doing? You, you join Doctors Without Borders. Do something with, with your life. You know, don't die on the golf course. It's like, oh, I'm, you know, I, I, do, I bought this little caravan and I drive around New Zealand. Oh, wow, isn't that cool? That's something to be proud of. And then you go, you're like out golfing, you know, and, you're, and then all of a sudden you go, and you fall over dead. <laughs> Endure hardship. You know, and, and, and I know that physical health is a gift. You know, you can do your best to eat healthy and exercise all that, but it's a gift. I know it's a gift. And if, if your health isn't very good, send, then you can, you can use your, your finances to send, send the other old people to Iraq. <laughs> and if you don't have any money, that's okay. You don't need, you can, you can put a map of the world on your wall and you start crying out to Jesus. Yeah. And you can be saying, Lord, I don't want there to be any divorces in our church. I want our kids to, to all follow Jesus. I don't accept this. I don't accept that New Zealand is one of the most unreached places on the planet right now. I am not going to accept this. Lord, I want you to send, send more people. You know, you start being, you can be on your bed and you can be radical. It doesn't matter. Endure hardship. Pour yourself out. This, this world is not our home. You're just a visitor. I mean, every, every year, I spend months in crowded vans, driving thousands of kilometers, sometimes with little sleep, exhausted, sometimes afraid, lonely. But I want you to know, I, am, I have never been so alive. I have never been so fulfilled so grateful for my life. I, I'm just, God, I'm, I don't, yeah, this morning I woke up, you know, the church put me in a real nice hotel. I didn't have my wife with me. It was kind of a waste, but. So I'm in this nice hotel. God, I don't deserve my life. And it's not about being in a nice hotel. You know what I'm saying, don't you? It's like, I don't. Jesus commands us to go into the, all the world and preach the gospel. Mark 16, 15. You don't, need a special, you don't need a special revelation to go if you live in a rich country like this. You need a special revelation to stay. 
my son Aaron says, said to me recently, he goes, yeah, but dad, we need people who work and have jobs. And I go, yes, I love people who have jobs if they support us. <laughs> but if you are called to have a normal job, your calling is no less radical. You're supposed to use your resources to send others, and you're supposed to be a bold witness for Jesus at your, in your work, in your school, in university, wherever God has placed you. You're supposed to be a bold witness for Jesus there, and you're not supposed to use your money to buy another batch by the beach or another whatever, another. You're supposed to use that to send, send the other old people off to Iraq. As a follower of Jesus, you have an unshakable kingdom. And that kind of means a lot when you live in New Zealand, doesn't it? Unshakable. Hebrews 12, 28, 29. Therefore, since we are receiving an unshakable kingdom, let us be filled with gratitude and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. And I'm praying all the time, Lord, I don't know how many more days you're going to give me. I don't know how many more tours I've got left in me, Jesus, but please help me to make the most of this short time I have on this planet. Please, Lord, let me make you happy. Let me, let me, go, let me go out swinging for you, Lord. We have an indestructible, eternal, unshakable kingdom. We are not citizens. We are foreigners. So make your life count. Don't waste your life on things that are going to eventually be rotten and filled with rats. Because you know that's what I'm saying is the truth. And I think some of us here would think, we say, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe all of it. But really, at the end of the day, you're a citizen. You know, you are. Because all of your goals are like everybody else, because your investment is here in this stuff. And I would like to challenge you to get, change the road you're on while you still can. And say, Jesus, I don't know what it means, but I want to stop seeing myself as a citizen, I want to see myself the way I re really is, as only visiting this planet. Give me an understanding of this, not just hear the words, but an understanding of that deep in my heart, and then send me and use me. Jesus said there's a great harvest and there are few workers. It's not right. It's not right. And I think there are people here this morning that God would want to call into his harvest. Whether it's here in Auckland or somewhere else, doesn't matter, but he wants to call you. And he wants to use you. So, Lord Jesus, thank you that I am not a citizen. Because, Lord, I, it makes it, then I, because I'm not a citizen, I can, be, I can have some reckless abandon in my faith. You know, I just got to say this. People think, well, if you, th if you don't see yourself as a citizen, you don't care as much. It's the opposite, actually. Because I'm not a citizen, I can care more. I can take, you know what I mean? I don't have to, I can invest more. I can go more. Because I, 
it, it actually makes you care more about the lost world when you see yourself as a, when you don't see yourself as a citizen. Changes everything. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're just traveling, you don't want a big giant backpack with all kinds of junk that you got to haul around. You travel light, right? And it's when you're alive. It's not some big sacrifice. Oh, I'm doing this, God, because I, I got some Mother Teresa thing where I'm just sacrificing. Well, she didn't do it for, out of that reason either. But it's just like, oh, it's all about being a big martyr for God. No, it's actually when you become alive. It's when, when you start to live. So, Lord, let us be alive. Let us not be, foreign, let us not be citizens but foreigners. Bless my, my brothers and sisters, Lord. Show them practically the steps you want them to take. In Jesus' name, amen. Do I have any, I don't know how much time I have or anything. Five minutes? Um, should we show, do you want to see a video or? Do you want to show the German, this, the one on, or on Brazil? So you got two, right? Brazil, yeah, this one. No, not that one. The Brazil one. Political yeah. corruption is tearing through all of Brazil. It's been described as the world's largest political scandal and has led to Brazil's worst recession. 13.5 million Brazilians are unemployed and are fed up. They feel lied to and abused by the government and they want justice. Young people in Brazil are turning to drugs, sex, and social media to find happiness. No longer music had the opportunity to play nine shows in three states. Sao Paulo, Paraná, and Rio de Janeiro. And we were able to proclaim the hope of Jesus to thousands Later, of just meditate on that. Do you know what I mean? Countless lives were changed. Yeah, it's got to give you a real revelation of that. Really. You said we
So that just gives you an idea. We have, if you go on our website, you'll see many videos like that of different parts of the world. Everywhere we're seeing thousands of people responding to Jesus. <clears throat> and so uh, I encourage you to come tonight. And um, if you want to know more, you can go to the table and find out things. Like I said, you can steal a book. And uh, <laughs> I have to run off to the next, to the next meeting. But anyway, thank you so much. It's great being with you.